We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast here on a Saturday. Coming to you live after the Saturday back together, uh, first Saturday of the Chargers training camp. So we will talk about everything that has kind of transpired throughout the week. We'll talk about some news and notes uh, that happened today. Then we're going to have some fun, introduce a new segment to the show called Saturday Stocks. We'll explain that when we get there, but it should be a fun show. Uh, that being said, joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Doing good. Yeah, so uh, in, in case you haven't paid attention to uh, Alex's tweets, and if you are listening to this, uh, Alex is the, the DeAndre Carter enthusiast on the show, and it uh, seems like you had a pretty good day, so uh, we'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, Tyler's here, man. Uh, we put Tyler on the pup list. For uh, day-to-day allergy injury, so Tyler, how are you doing today, man? I was doing so well until I got to practice, and you know everything's fine, <laughs> all's good. I sit down, and I hate to call whoever this person was is out, but they sit down in front of me, and it's just someone with way too much perfume on, and I could not stop crying and sniffling and sneezing. I was a wreck, oh. and today was the day that everyone decided to say hi to me. So I'm people from UCI that I knew. Um, Reggie, who works with my fiance, Justin, who got us tickets, Rike, everyone's coming and saying hi. I'm like, hi, how, how are you doing? I, I look like an absolute wreck out there. Um, so I apologize. I tried my best, but I could not finish the fourth quarter. My bad. <laughs> yeah, you missed the, the the best part of practices, but it's okay. You know, we'll uh, we'll get through. We'll talk. We have plenty to talk about today. So um, it seemed like there was. Uh, I mean, we could talk about this. That was the best crowd that I've seen at Chargers training camp, at least since the move. I mean, I never really got to go to any training camp practices mm-hmm. in San Diego, but uh, man, that that practice today was jam packed. You know, the stands are packed. People were standing up around the stand. So uh, shout out to everybody that went today. It sounded like, uh, you know, was really a, a great turnout for uh, Saturday practice. It really was. Again, it's been a while since we had a real training camp practice. It's been since 2019 since we really had one, but it was packed. I mean, this event was sold out. I had people asking me today, you know, hey, how come I can't get tickets to this thing? It's a practice. I'm like, well, it sold out for whatever reason or for, I don't know how that even works. They sold out. It was absolutely packed. Um, and you saw it in the pictures. I mean, and it was so nice for like even like the NFL main account or whatever 
just to retweet and say, hey, you know, Bolt Fam showed out today and just show and display just how many of us were there today. Um, there's no way that they could do this again next year, especially if the Chargers somehow win more games. Um, good news is they're obviously going to be switching to the El Segundo uh, location because it's packed and they're going to need more space. Yeah, no, I mean, Sorry it's a good thing to <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing to hear about the attendance. Um, I, yeah, this is definitely the most packed I've ever seen it since the Los Angeles move. Just uh, looking at the pictures and everything, and I'm obviously not there. Um, but definitely the biggest turnout I've seen. I don't know if it's going to carry over into the regular season. That's obviously kind of the big question. But uh, so far, passing the test with flying colors in regards to fan stuff. Yeah, a few of the players have mentioned, you know, just it, it's just been such a, a better turnout. Granted, there wasn't, you know, there were no fans in 2020, obviously, because of COVID. Last year, we're still kind of, you know, in that pandemic. But, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen have, have all talked about how much uh, better of a turnout there there has been. I, I'm curious to see going forward if they do move training camp to El Segundo and, and the practice facility. But, um, you know, a lot of people have been kind of hoping that they keep it in Costa Mesa, keep it at that facility. And it would make sense from just like a maintenance standpoint to not have you know, that wear and tear on the practice field that, you know, for the whole season, essentially from, you know, July through ideally February. But uh, I guess we'll get to that that point when we get there. So uh, first and foremost, we will talk about some uh, news and notes. We'll just have some general uh, injury updates. There weren't a ton, obviously, but there were a few. And then we'll dive into some of Tyler's, you know, depth chart notes as he's that he's kind of uh, taken over the last few days and some, you know, some playbook stuff as well. So um, again, not a ton of injuries. Thankfully, Andrew Brown really is the only one that we know about. He's the defensive lineman uh, had some spot start duty against the Steelers last year. Played well in that game. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Um, and then Donald Parham and Drew Tranquil were not practicing today. Um, we don't really know what is up with them. I know you pointed out on Twitter, you saw Donald Parham like out there running around doing some routes and things like that. Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see from uh, Staley on Monday for uh, any specific updates there. Yeah, the Drew Tranquil one, obviously unfortunate. He was slated to start. They clearly have backup plans for this with Troy Reader, but I don't know. I, I want an update for that one because he wasn't even on the field. The Donald Parham one was surprising to me because I, I didn't realize he just wasn't on the field at one point because he was to open practice, kind of like what, what Jerwin James was doing, had his helmet, Okay, you know, there he is, hard to miss him. And then Popper tweets out that he's not practicing. I'm like, wait, what? Um, but I find him again because he's 6'9 on the other side, on the far field, hanging out with the <laughs> hard, quarterbacks. Hard and yeah, yeah, hard to miss. And he's got the mushroom cap, whatever thing on. So, but he's out there and he's he's catching jump passes. He's looking fine. He's, you know, just catching some passes for the quarterbacks while everyone's working special teams. So he seemed fine. Like it could just be a meh injury and why put him out there? Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm waiting to hear what these updates are. Yeah, so obviously that uh, meant more reps for Trey McKitty today. Uh, you know, I was would have loved to see him get involved in the action. Didn't really hear from anybody on on uh, the beat that Trey McKitty was making an impact. Usually when we have red zone day, because that was what today was, according to uh, several people that were there and Tom Telesco. Yeah. Usually you see the tight ends get in really involved. I remember the first red zone day last year when I was there, Jared cook had two touchdowns, Donald Parham mm -hmm. had a touchdown, but, uh, it was all Alex's guy. It was all Deandre Carter scoring the touchdowns today. So 
Um, would have loved to hear about Trey McKitty getting involved, but uh, it's all good. I mean, it kind of sounds like Donald Parham probably would have been involved had he played, uh, obviously, in the red zone. Other than that, uh, I don't know what to make of the injuries yet. I guess we'll find out on Monday. Uh, I hope the tranquil one is not serious because we cannot stand uh, Troy Reader being a starter for any uh, yeah. significant amount of time. Yeah, you're talking about a uh, linebacker duo of Kyle Van Oy and, and Troy Reader. I think that just really... Hurts the depth depth in uh, in multiple stop in multiple spots. Obviously, with uh, Kyle Van Noy slated to be part edge, part linebacker, which uh, again was kind of more skewed towards linebacker. And uh, Ronaldo Hill was asked about that, mm-hmm. and you know they they're kind of figuring out his role right now. He, uh, according to Ronaldo, he was Kyle Van Noy, that is uh, worked exclusively with the edge rushers in the spring. Now he's kind of doing some linebacker work, which of course is is partially due to uh kenneth murray as well but they're really trying to figure out where best to put him and, and how much of a hybrid role he's going to play and he's even calling plays right now which i i think is really smart gives them some you know that experience take advantage of his you know super bowl um veteran experience and leadership and again they're going to cross train a lot of guys in that communication role um so in, in this case with derwin james out it's been kyle Vanoy. drew tranquil has also served in that role so um, I like the way that they're kind of feeling it out with Kyle Van Noy right now and, and figuring out where best to put him, how much to rotate him, um, and really understand him as a as a linebacker this week, edge rusher early in the, early in the offseason. Yeah, so far he's been, you know, some of the guys like uh, Reader, Tranquil, working the running backs in the flat and whatnot. But you see Kyle Van Noy pretty consistently um, dropping into coverage, and he looks comfortable doing it. Very easy, of course, you know, padless, seven-on-sevens, whatever, but it just looks like a role that suits him. Like maybe he is a better edge three than his inside linebacker, but it just looks like a role that suits him. He's smart. I think he's very, you know, he's obviously a veteran. He's apparently a DJ and I, I just, it's a role that suits him. I want to see him he's stick with his role. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it just feels like they, hmm, I don't know if I buy that they're feeling this one out when they've kind of like pretty much, I mean, Joey Bosa said in his press conference, he's there because Kenneth Murray's not there. Right. So they, they've pretty much been forced into putting Kyle Van Noy at linebacker. Um, and I, you know, Kyle Van Noy is fine at doing that. He's probably better than, than Kenneth Murray is right now. Um, so for what it's worth, I think him being there is fine. Um, as for whether it's a long-term thing though, I still think, you know, we have to feel that out, but I, I don't really buy that this is like, oh, well, we're just kind of feeling out what his role is when it's pretty clear they wanted him at edge a month ago. Yeah, that, that's totally fair. Uh, Tyler, you you pointed this out on Twitter about Cole Christiansen and, and um, you know, of course, the linebacker that's been on the practice squad, formerly out of Army. Uh, can you tell our listeners what happened there? A couple of people asking about... Um, exactly the details of what happened with him and Isaiah Spiller. Yeah. Spiller just caught a pass. And again, this is non padded practice. They got helmets and that's about it. Caught a pass. Coco Shansen came from wherever he was. Wasn't like he tried to tackle him. It really just was kind of a disrespectful, pretty, I don't say aggressive, but certainly not passive knock to the ground that knocked Spiller down pretty hard and knocked his helmet off. So like, was it like a big hit or anything? Did it look malicious? No, but it did result in Spiller hitting the guard pretty hard and having his helmet fly off. So is it kind of a, hey, welcome to the NFL 
sort of thing, maybe. But if you're a guy who's just really not going to make the roster as is, like, there's really no need for that. Maybe NFL players feel differently. Maybe it's like, okay, there's your rookie moment or something. Like, I'll just hit this guy and, you know, get him used to contact. But it didn't really seem worth it. And for Spiller to have his helmet fly off as well, it just it wasn't a good look. I have to do something to stand out. Let me hit our running back too when I'm not supposed to be hitting people. That's a great yeah. way to stand out to the coaching staff, I guess. So, gets you noticed probably for the wrong reasons. I know. We also had uh, that defensive tackle for the Bills picking a fight with Josh Allen today. So um, that's that's always good. The you know the bottom of the roster guys trying to pick a fight and stand out. That 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 always seems to work in, in their favor. Um, so I wanted to get a couple of the other quotes that we heard from today. Ronaldo Hill, of course, talking about um, the competition that there is in general, right? And, you know, he was asked about it a few different times throughout uh, his press conference today. And he basically said that there's a greater sense of urgency on the defensive side of the ball this year with all the extra depth. And his uh, quote that I tweeted out was, players got to be more demanding with their responsibilities and having all that competition, it leads to that. So. This is something that Ronaldo Hill has been consistently pointing out. And um, earlier in the offseason, he had the quote of guys not necessarily looking over their shoulder, feeling comfortable in their roles as opposed to bringing that intensity every single day. And we've really seen that play out on defense so far. I know that there's been a lot of uh, thoughts about the offense on Twitter. Um, and I see Jason Greer's uh, question about it, super chat question. So appreciate that question. Um, but I, I think there's two parts to why the defense has really come out on top. One, this happens in every single training camp at every single level in every single season that I have ever been a part of football. The defense is much simpler. They're not necessarily learning new plays. They all have this experience and they bring that inten- that intensity. And so the defense always starts out on top. However, I think Ronaldo Hill is pointing out the right thing here that there naturally is more intensity here because there are more guys fighting for roles and spots. So I think that's a good thing. I think it helps the offense. I think it helps the defense, but I would also caution people to pump the brakes a little bit with the dominant defense talk, because this happens every single year that I have ever watched football. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're right. The only players on offense who are really fighting for a spot are the ones who Nothing can happen until they get pads on the running backs and the fullbacks. Like right. They are going to need contact to win their jobs or their rotation or whatever. Other than that, we know pretty much everyone on offense and what roles they're going to have. Defense, those DBs, like everyone's fighting. And yeah. you know, defensive line, everyone is fighting. I mean, right? I mean, it's literally just Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson. The other seven defensive tackles, nose tackles, they're all fighting for a job. DBs, same thing. Everyone's fighting for a spot. Like, sure, there are some defined starters as well but certainly not the same as on offense. And right now the defense is just they're They are looking and flying around. Like they are trying to fight for their jobs. And in particular, I think the safeties and, and really the corners are just getting their hands on everything and just fighting a little bit more and a little bit harder than the wide receivers are right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of a contrast, right? We pretty much knew going into last year that, Tillery was a guaranteed roster spot. And I think they yeah. that person asked Ronaldo Hill specifically about, was it Tillery, Fajoko, and Covington? Uh, Steven, in that tweet you posted? Uh, Gaziano. He, he mentioned Gaziano and Covington. He didn't mention uh, Fajoko, but I think it was all implied of people who were on the team last year yeah. being held over for this year. 
Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's the first time we've really heard someone respond to, like, a Tillery question and be like, yeah, he's fighting too, right, in addition yeah. to all these other guys uh, in the defensive tackle room. So I think that that's worth pointing out. Definitely been livelier too, of course, now the defense has Khalil Mack and JC Jackson as well. So that's, like, another reason they'll look better, simply because they also got more talent. Right. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't really think there's much to worry about in terms of defense or, you know, offense, who's winning so far. Uh, it's still really early on. They're not putting pads on till Monday. So, you know, we'll see how everything changes then. But I, I do like hearing, you know, specifically what we've heard about the DBs, what we've heard about, uh, obviously, the interior defensive line, and obvi- uh, on the offensive side of the ball, what we've heard about the running backs, too, because everything is pretty much an open spot, you know, outside of Austin Eckler, which is kind of what Brandon Staley said yesterday, too. And for what it's worth, like, the defense is really freaking talented like this is a very talented. Yeah, this is like some this isn't a really bad defense that's kicking the crap out of herbert and these guys no it's a very talented defense and yeah. you heard the reports about you know why was brandon staley hired so quickly apparently he had sean mcveigh in hell in practice in 2020 so it's not like this is a bad defense with a bad defensive coordinator right if, if anything this is just really encouraging and the offense now has to go oh this is different than last year now we got to step up right it's encouraging but like steven said it happens every year yeah, I, I'm more in, in like wait and see mode. It, it definitely is encouraging, and there are specific players that I'm like really encouraged about. Right, like obviously the early returns on Dean Leonard and um, Jasir Taylor are are mostly what I've been like most pleasantly surprised on. You've talked a lot about uh, Bryce Callahan and just like the physicality that he plays with over the middle, which I think is really encouraging. But I saw yesterday that people were like. Well, of course, the defense is going to be a step ahead. Like Joe Lombardi's offense sucks. Like this offense is going to struggle this year. Like it's not going to be the same thing. And it's like, okay, let's let's take a step back. The offense always starts out slow in training camp. It happens every single year. You know, there's no pads right now. So we don't really know how much one unit is dominating or the other. But there are definitely encouraging signs happening. I don't want to say that there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to seem like I'm saying that there aren't encouraging things to be encouraged about right now. But. Sure. Uh, pump the brakes on the offense struggling and it's going to be bad this year and all that stuff. Yeah. And for what it's worth in the red zone drills with just St- stick and Daniel, they threw five touchdowns on the defense. So it's not like the offense isn't getting theirs either. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it sounded like there was a better day for Justin Herbert. I mean, I'm not like he was being bad or anything that it sounded like chase Daniel also had a good day today. I don't, again, you didn't finish the whole day obviously, but, yeah. Uh, what did you see when you were there from the quarterbacks? It felt better today. The last couple of days felt a little bit better than the first two days. I guess it depends on who you're thinking of. I actually thought Easton Stick had a really good day today. He really like he was pretty clear to me a, a roster waste the first three days. Technically, he probably still is. <laughs> um, but today was much better. Like he threw three touchdowns today in red zone drills. Um, I thought the quarterbacks did look better. I think things just are kind of smoothing out. It's just it's tough to really gauge exactly. Like even yesterday when it seemed like maybe the offense wasn't getting going, Herbert hit three guys in the hands and they all dropped it. Like sometimes it's just, you need some help too. Um, so I think it just, it looked better today. I think if you're going to say like if any day of the four days so far, this was the day that the offense would have, you know, won, but the defense still got theirs. Yeah, absolutely. The other quote that I wanted to get to, at least in terms of Ronaldo Hill again, I don't know if you guys both watched it, but uh, he was talking about Nasir Adderley and um, just the way that Nas has been able to kind of grow. And of course, I've been pretty high on him throughout the whole offseason after revisiting last year's film and things like that. Um, and this is what he had to say about him 
quote we had we know that he's got a big engine and he can really run cover so much ground he's become much more of a quarterback back there without dj without derwin james uh there's no second guessing this year he's getting to the right spots he looks really sharp back there so um you know a couple of people pointed out yesterday there was that play where isaiah spiller was on the wheel route and Nazir Adderley was yeah. right there. And mm-hmm. again, if that were a padded situation, a scrimmage, a game, Nasir Adderley probably lights Isaiah Spiller up. And that's something that we've seen, you know, that Nas is capable of. But for uh, Ronaldo Hill to say that he's taken another mental leap this year, I think is going to pay big dividends for, for this defense. And of course, for uh, Nasir Adderley's bank account as a free agent next year. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's exactly kind of what you want to hear. And as much as we don't love the Derwin Holden situation, right? We would love if he right. just signed his contract and he was there. It's great that you get to see Nasir Adderley basically be the starting safety, right? It's great that you get to see uh, someone like Mark Webb, you know, get bumped up because Derwin's not there. And then, you know, Brandon Staley was kind of uh, effusive of his praise in terms of what he can do at star safety at, at the money position. Uh, and he seemed to have a really good day on Friday. So I think when you're just kind of like, even though the Derwin thing isn't great, um, I think as long as they have all these safeties competing in there and you're seeing Adderley progress and take another step, it's it's an advantage of it uh, for sure. And getting to see JT Woods, getting to see Alohi Gilman, uh, even a little bit making some plays here and there, uh, I think it's great. Everything in front of the safeties so far, not just Adderley, has been fantastic. Anything triggering downhill, tight end screen, running back screen, run plays, whatever, anything in short game, the safeties, Nasir Adderley as well, are just triggering downhill so well. It's it looks like such a smart group. It's we got one guy who's already very instinctual in JT Woods, rookie, but that's just like that's built into his nature. He knows how to yeah. do this. Then you have everybody from last year, kind of going from last year to this year, understanding their responsibilities. The defense really just looks like a step faster this year with those safeties. I do want to see them do more in the air. I um, mean, you know, every time I see you know them do something really good in the run game or something really short. You know, maybe there'll be a pass where like that long Donald Parham pass from Herbert yesterday, I believe, you know, Mark Webb was late to get there or somebody was late to get sure. there. There's a pass to Everett where I think JT Woods was late to get there. So I do want to see passes go at them to really judge where they're at mentally. But in terms of, you know, with Nasir Adderley and taking a step forward, specifically what what he needed to take a step forward with, it all it checks the boxes right now. They're doing a really good job. Yeah, there's a lot of development happening there. And obviously, we would all want Derwin James to be on the field. Again, uh, he's still in that contract situation. Um, We'll see if something gets done this weekend officially and he's able to practice on Monday with pads. That would be fantastic. But I I think, you know, the defense is going to be in a better place this year because of that safety depth. And you're allowed to move Nas around. You're allowed to move Webb around. You're allowed to move JT Woods around. Although they kind of seem like they want to focus him deep which is not necessarily you know the bad thing that's that's kind of what trey marshall was for them last year um they never really moved marshall around at all which uh was kind of annoying like i mean give and take right but he was not very good um so there's there's a lot of encouraging signs happening on defense like like i mentioned um anything from you guys stand out from uh, ronaldo hill's press conference that you wanted to bring up wish i could say there was but i did not watch it I also do not watch it. So you're the only one that's <laughs> okay. watched it. And I think you brought everything up. All right. Sounds good. Um, really quickly, uh, in, in terms of Rashawn Slater's press conference, we have to talk about his uh, quotes uh, as well. Uh, Mike Williams mm. had some good quotes. You know, there's something in there about JC Jackson we could talk about if you guys wanted to. Um, but specifically, his quote about Cleo Mack was, was something that I thought was really fantastic. 
Um, he was, he said, basically we're barely, we're barely even rushing right now. There's no pads. And he's already put a couple variations on some moves that I've never seen before. He's very smart and savvy and powerful, which I haven't really even really seen yet given the situation. Uh, and then he was asked about it being particular to practice. He said, it's going to be a big challenge. It's eye opening. I thought I had seen it all last year, but there's a lot more for me to learn and I'm going to get a lot better going against him. So I thought that was really interesting, both in, in the Rashawn Slater lens, right, of of him feeling like he has all of this growth to go after being a second team all pro, but also because of Khalil Mack being the, the guy that's kind of pushing him and pushing everybody else. And we've heard a lot of, you know, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack stuff. But the way that Khalil Mack rushes, I think, is so different than Joey Bosa mm. that it's going to be a very good foundation for these offensive tackles. Um, specifically Rashawn and whoever wins, you know, of course the right tackle position, but, uh, I love the way that the Rashawn talks is just like, he's so smart and just, yeah. he, he understands how to be that press conference guy. And uh, I thought that was a fantastic quote. Yeah. More Rashawn pressers, uh, please. We're big talking to someone, big press conference guy. Uh, <laughs> was talking to somebody <laughs> who, um, you know, on defense was talking about, you know, Khalil Mack and said, you know, that. No cap, Khalil's a beast. You know, like I, we knew he was a beast, but oh my god, you know he's he's got a nasty chip right now on his shoulder. He's just, apparently he's just more than they even thought that he would be. Like just this freak, and he is like I've, I've commented on a poster of him. He's, he's enormous arms, yeah. like this freak it freak of nature. And you know, listen, I I watched enough Raiders games because I had to, and there was a point where the Raiders with Derek Carr, like yeah, he was the MVP or whatever, uh, you know, front runner or something at one point. But Khalil Mack was just, they always did something to seal the game for them. For whatever reason, like they needed a play, and it was always Khalil Mack. So I, I can't wait to see what he brings. And if he's challenging Rashawn Slater and handling and giving him more and more and more, can't wait to watch it. Although I'll have to check who exactly is lining up against who because just like the snapshot in my head is that Joey was more uh, against Rashawn Slater and that Khalil is going more against, um, you know, Trip Pipkin, Storm Norton. So um, if they flip flop, great. We'd obviously love to see that. But I'm, I feel like Max more on the right side, or well, the right tackle side. Yeah, no, I mean it's great to hear that about uh, Khalil Mack. Just everything that he does, I, I don't think the Chargers have ever really had an edge like him. Um, obviously, Joey Bosa is a top five edge in the league, but in terms of the power that he brings, um, yeah. there's not many NFL teams that have a Khalil Mack. There's maybe like two or three of them. Uh, so hearing that he's challenging uh, Rashawn Slater is great, and you know that goes back to the iron sharpens iron thing from last year. So it's great to hear that. Um, I also, you know, uh, I think Daniel Popper tweeted this out from the Rashawn Slater press conference that he kind of fed into the Trey, uh, Trey Pipkins hype, so that propaganda. So, you know, um, hearing, you know, that he worked with him and they're applying everything that they worked over the summer with Duke in practice, uh, that, that also, I think, uh, is a really positive thing to hear. So, yeah, you know, kind of wait and see on both of those, but everything sounds good so far. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of questions in the chat right now on Twitter about the offensive tackle situation. Um, of course, you know, the Trey Pipkins hype has continued. Uh, you know, I heard from a source the other day that he does look different. He looks more explosive. He looks like he's in better shape. The technique work that he has uh, been working on with Duke has, has definitely shown up so far. That being said, 90% of what we will learn about the offensive linemen, defensive linemen, running backs, will happen when pads come on next week. So 
Um, really, the only takeaway that we have really been able to solidify from the offensive line and specifically the right tackle position is that Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins are essentially splitting duties 50-50. Uh, and I expect that to continue until really like we get the pads on someone separates themselves, you know, they're going to get a great opportunity against the Dallas in the joint practices, obviously the preseason games. So um, until we see padded practices, we're, we're not really going to get a ton of information on the right tackle situation other than it being about 50, 50 right now. Yeah. Unless there was some notable change. Like I've just stopped tweeting about Pipkins and Norton because it's, you know, oh, oh, he's starting today, or oh, he's starting today. It's just yeah. a flip flop, and I, I think it's going to be a flip flop for weeks now. I don't even think they would really commit to someone, maybe into like the third or fourth preseason game. Otherwise, it's, it's just going to be this flip flop. So, you know, whatever, oh, stocked up, stocked down, sort of thing you hear, it's probably not going to. Nothing's really going to change over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I will say, like for all of the Pipkins improvement stuff. All of the offensive guys that have been asked about it, they've all mentioned that Storm has also improved. Um, Joe Lombardi said the other day mm -hmm. that basically they feel like they're going to be better at right tackle regardless of who wins that position battle. And, you know, I don't know how much Storm Norton can improve. I don't really feel like he's ever been able to be that consistent presence. Maybe Trey Pipkins can. I don't know. But um, all of them have gone out, out of their way to say that Storm has also improved. And again, we just have to wait and see until they get pads on to really get a feel for how much that improvement has happened or not happened. Um, okay, I think that's it from the uh, press conferences that I wanted to bring up. Um, I know a lot of people have been asking about the running back situation too, Tyler. So kind of the same thing, just rotating in terms of reps today and yesterday. We didn't really get a, a chance to talk about that, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, us there if you can. Yeah, I don't know why the first day Larry Roundtree was nowhere to be found, um, but he's it's it's just a nice rotation now. It's it's Eckler is the duh primary guy. Then sometimes Kelly comes in first, sometimes Roundtree comes in first, sometimes Spiller comes in first. All the running backs are working with Justin Herbert, just in different amounts and quantities per day. Um, the real difference is that Letty Brown, Kevin Marks, nowhere to be found. If you told me that they were home the last four days, I'd believe you because they they do not touch the football at all. Yeah, um, it's kind of a bummer to hear that Brown and Marks haven't been involved at all. Um, and maybe that's just to be expected from the first couple of days of training camp. But, I mean, Brandon Staley kind of got up there and was like, hey, we have five guys that are competing for RB2. And it's like, it sounds like you have three guys that are competing for RB2 <laughs> at the moment, right? I mean, yeah. maybe things change in the preseason. Uh, but right now, it seems like it's in some order, Kelly, you know, Spiller, Roundtree. Uh, and then everyone else is kind of left in the dust. Um, it, again, maybe something changes in the preseason and they give Brown and Marks more time. Uh, but, you know, I think the fact that we've seen none of them or heard really zero buzz about them, similar to really all the wide receivers behind DeAndre Carter as well. Um, you know, we haven't heard anything really about like, oh, oh this wide receiver six guy is coming. Uh, someone asks about uh, Joe Reed in the chat. So, you know, I think the fact that we pretty much know everyone who's competing for RB2 and it's those three guys doesn't spell the best for Brown and Marks in terms of their uh, undrafted free agent you know yeah, uh, dreams to make the team yeah it sounds like it's gonna be difficult there and like i can kind of understand right like you want to get the guys that you drafted some more opportunities and things like that and you're really trying to figure out who can be that rb2 it really seems to be that's the focus as opposed to 
you know, allowing those undrafted free agents to make the roster. And again, and that can change, right? You know, uh, of course, they're always an injury away and there's preseason. So um, I am curious to see really how this plays out, of course, in terms of roster spots, because Kevin Marks really had that special teams ability. And we also heard from Joe Lombardi that they are planning on giving Xander Horvath some carries in preseason games, too. So um, I don't know. It just seems like they are a long ways away. I will say there was a quote from Daniel Popper yesterday about Isaiah Spiller and his receiving ability kind of really standing out amongst those other two players. And Brandon Staley on the first day said they're looking for the most complete option, you know, uh, behind Austin Eckler. And again, that's not news, right? Like we knew that Isaiah Spiller was a good receiver. We kind of figured that he's going to be the RB2. But I I like that Popper went out of his way to uh, give some shine to Spiller's uh, route running ability. Yeah. It just feels like, and Austin Eckler has talked about this in his press conference uh, yesterday, I think, actually, um, and the coaching staff has always talked about this with both Lombardi and Staley kind of being like special teams, special teams, special teams, right, when it comes to uh, the running backs. So I'll be curious to see if, like, any of them can make a push in that regard. I know we don't, like, talk about special teams in training camp a lot, at least not anymore, after special teams kind of, you know, has been declared as, like, the, you know, kicker punter and those guys are all settled. Um, But, yeah, so uh, I'll be curious to see if any guys can make an impact in that way and maybe you see Brown or Marks make, like, a final push for it, but probably not promising that they're not involved at all in the offense right now, it seems. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see. I, I still have no idea who the kick returners are, unless that that was something at the end of practice today. They still have yet to actually have someone go out and field kickoff returns. So maybe there's a spot for them there potentially. But even then, that that probably goes to maybe like a Kelly over a Mark. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see a bunch of questions. We'll get to them in a second. Um, before we get to that and get to our, our Saturday stocks, I did want to ask Tyler, um obviously you've been doing your quick little updates each day um what have you seen over the last few days from the way that they've been using deandre carter and gerald ever and a lot of people interested in that in those two players because i mean alex of course had deandre carter as his breakout <laughs> player but I, i'm curious about their role specifically because again we didn't really have mm-hmm. carter or, or whoever was the wide receiver five involved basically at all the tight end role with jared cook was very specific and jared Everett's kind of a different player so what have you seen in practice so far from Everett and Carter and specifically how the team has been uh, kind of using them at this point? Carter hasn't been much of a receiving option really until today. Like it was maybe a catch or two. Like the only reason I remember him getting a target yesterday was because Bryce Callahan broke up that pass. Um, I don't expect him. Like I don't see deep shots to DeAndre Carter. I'm not seeing him being used vertically just yet. That's not really his thing. But man, the end around he had during practice yesterday – I understand why people would want speed on this team. Like, yeah, sure, we all do. But you see someone who's really, really fast and really, really good at his job doing that. It looks really different when he's carrying the football. So they're going to use him for sure. Today, he was using the red zone one time in the corner, one time either on like an out or they're in the flat or something like that for a touchdown. So is he a primary red zone weapon for them? I don't really know. Again, Easton Stick was throwing to him. So that kind of tells you it wasn't like with the first team or whatever. So I don't know if they have big plans for him there. But I think we'll start to kind of figure that out once they get pads on. Gerald Everett, man, like, okay, so I I don't think there's any chance that he has the production that that Jared Cook had unless someone like Mike Williams or Keenan Allen goes down. I don't think that he's going to match that production because in camp last year, Jared Cook was so obviously like 
we were, we were freaking out because Jared Cook was catching everything, you know, yeah. five catch five catches of practice. It seemed like Everett not so much. With that said, he's so involved with blocking, and whether it's blocking and releasing or just you know, as as a blocker as is, he's more involved with the or like closer to the line of scrimmage and really what was Joe Lombardi wants because. A lot of times Donald Parham, like they would use him and sometimes Steven Anderson, although that's more of an H back, you know, do something behind the line of scrimmage, right? Motion behind the line of scrimmage, um, slide around to the flat or whatever. Couldn't do that with Jared Cook, because Jared Cook just does not operate near the line of scrimmage. Now you have someone like Gerald Everett, who, you know, they did their trick play with DeAndre Carter, that end around, you know, hand it to Austin Eckler one way, he's running that way, flip it to DeAndre Carter, and then you see uh, Everett and somebody else pulling, right, and leading the way for DeAndre Carter, or they had a quick screen to Keenan Allen and Gerald Everett was the blocker, one of those primary blockers with, I think, like Josh Palmer. I mean, is he going to be used as much as a receiving threat as we had hoped? If training camp so far is any indication, no, but he's so important as a blocker to this team. He's going like, you may not see him, you know, catch a touchdown or be the guy who receives the 20 yard deep pass or whatever it is, but you're going to see him somehow involved in some way to help free up that pass. Um, and then of course, you know, he's, he's catching balls anyway. So, he, it's a really, really nice role. It's not a dynamic, like fantasy football kind of role, but it's gotcha. huge for this team. And it, it really feels like he's an important part of this team, more important overall than someone like Jared Cook, but just not specifically to the receiving game. Yeah. I still think he's going to get more involved in the receiving game as training camp goes on. Uh, I mean, he, you know, upped his production over last year. Obviously, new player kind of getting more comfortable in this offense. Um, I did think Staley's press conference yesterday was interesting because at the end he was like, you know, people don't really talk about Gerald Everett's blocking ability. I'm like, I've been talking about it for the last three months on this show. But anyway, <laughs> well, he doesn't um, watch the show. Oh, of course I don't. Wow. But I'm like, but I'm like, but I'm like, I've been talking about it anyway. Um, uh, it's great to hear that he's you know been active in training camp and everything. So. Um, I still think he's going to be involved, probably not as much as Jared Cook because Jared Cook wasn't a good blocker and they could only use him in the receiving game. Uh, so I think that that's part of it as well in terms of the discrepancy between the two. As far as DeAndre Carter, um, I'm, I don't think he'll be like this, you know, every time they're in the red zone, they just bring DeAndre Carter on the field. But <laughs> I just, I think that they have to start using him. <laughs> like he was clearly effective in the red zone in Washington. Uh, as graded by PFF and, you know, he's made an impact in these, you know, first couple practices, especially today, catching two passes. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I don't think he's going to like be involved every drive or anything, but it's kind of like Donald Parham, like, even though he's tight end too, like, I, I feel like you bring that guy on the field, especially as you like get closer to the red zone um, in a similar capacity. Like when it comes to the red zone, I would rather have DeAndre Carter on the field than I would like Jalen Guyton. Right. Uh, in terms of like having that receiver who's, you know, good close to the end zone, has a high target premium and everything like that. Uh, so for me, um, I, I think it's promising to hear that about DeAndre Carter. Don't know if he's going to live up to my, you know, breakout candidate hype train. But I, I do. I have really liked everything that I've heard uh, in terms of how they're using him so far. Yeah, And I think anything will be an upgrade, on at least on offense over what we saw from last year. And I think. You know, if he's going to be their short area guy, then that's fantastic. I would love to see him get some opportunities to be that bubble RPO guy as well. You know, we've heard him be the end around option, get in, get him some uh, drag opportunities as well. Just let him make some plays after the catch. And I think that's, you know, that's really all that I am, am necessarily hoping for on offense. So 
Uh, we'll get to a, supple, a couple uh, super chats here. Um, of course, Tyler's mom in the chat with a super sticker. Super sticker. Man, I'm, I'm a mess right now. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, Jesus Lorenzo was the one who asked about Joe Reed. Um, so thank you for the super chat here. It, like Alex said, it doesn't really seem like we're getting much of anybody outside of the top five. Um, Daniel Popper did mention that Michael Bandy has been yeah semi-impressive at least in his opportunities so it's and you tyler mentioned yesterday jason moore had a few catches which he always does but yeah. uh it sounds like if they are gonna keep six it's probably bandy or jason moore but again i feel like everybody outside of deandre carter just has you know an outside chance of making it this year yeah, I mean, the sad thing is it just doesn't feel like Joe Reed's even there, right? Like the fact, and again, Bandy obviously contributed um, on special teams last year. So, I mean, the coaching staff is pretty familiar with him there. Um, and then, you know, uh, you have Jason Moore, who's always been good for <laughs> what feels like five receptions and 90 yards every training camp. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I do uh, – I do you think the Joe Reed dream is kind of dead? Um, I, I don't see him contributing much in the preseason at this point. Obviously, you know, uh, missed all of last season uh, with that injury, but I, it doesn't, doesn't seem like they've gotten him involved and they have several special teams options that they prefer over him. So it's just kind of like, what is his role on this team and what would it be if they wanted to make a role for him? Cause it's clearly not top six receivers on the depth chart and it doesn't even seem to be top, three special teams guys or special teams returners right now. So to me, yeah. uh, I think that Joe Reed is practice squad fodder at this point. Yeah. It's such a strange journey for him. Because it's like in rookie season, he touched the ball, what five times at every time it was amazing, but they just, that was it. Like that was it. The Joe Reed dream. We have video proof that it works, but it just, they've never been able to involve it right yeah. now. If there's any kind of wide receiver six, and really, I don't think there will be, but if there is, it's probably Bandy at this point. A, he looks fantastic. B, he's making plays. He's been productive. And, and C, he's actually on special teams as a sort of backup returner option. So I don't think they'll structure the roster like that with six receivers. But if it's anybody, it is going to be Bandy. Yeah, and that maybe that's an area where I wish they would have uh, evolved a little bit. I was curious to see if Maurice French would have a chance to you know get some shine too because he's more of uh, a vertical profile receiver than anybody else on the roster in that specific like practice squad uh, tier, if you will. But uh, again, haven't heard really anything from him. Um, Jason Greer asking about Matt Filer, right tackle. Jamari Salyer starts at guard. Um, I think we can officially squash any dream of Matt Filer starting at right tackle. Tom Telesco was on Chargers Weekly, um, and they asked him about that, about the right tackle battle. Um, and he talked about Norton, he talked about Pipkins, and then um, I think it was Chris Harry asked him a follow-up question. Is it pretty much only those two guys that are bat battling for that spot? And Tom Telesco said, yeah, pretty much it's just those two. Um, so obviously they they kind of look at Matt Filer's right tackle ability as kind of a break glass in case of emergency situation. Like you, they would have to lose two of the starting offensive tackles or or a backup for them to you know, kick Matt Filer to right tackle at this point, barring another signer or something like that. Um, but yeah, so he he's left guard and he's entrenched entrenched into that spot. Yeah, uh, 
didn't really ever buy the whole thing about them moving him to right tackle. Actually, I, for a second, I did when they drafted Zion because I figured, okay, Ode's coming back. Zion's your left guard. So now we have a right tackle with Filer, but they squashed that pretty quickly. So, like you said, I, I completely agree. I think it's going to take an injury to Pipkins and Norton for Filer to go to right tackle. Do I agree with that? No, but I think this is the way they're headed. Yep. Um, don't think they do it unless it's an emergency or both of them go down. Even if both of them go down, they might test like free agency, it feels like, before going to Tyler sure. to right tackle. Um, still a couple names on the market that you don't have to pay $12.5 million, like Riley Reif. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think that they're probably, uh, yeah, they're set with Norton and Pipkins clearly. And then I, even if someone does get injured, I think they would, you know, treat Matt Filer going to right tackle as like the last possible option. Yeah, and, and um, I would think that Brennan Hymas is ahead of the curve right now of, of Jamari Sawyer, but again, we'll figure that out more once we get pads and stuff on. Um, there was something else about that spot that Tom Telesco said, but I can't really remember it right now. Um, next super chat, uh, again from Jason Greer. Any rookies besides Zion to be a day one impact player? Um, that's another quote that Rashawn was asked about Zion. And I felt like he could have just been talking about himself with the way that he was talking about him. Uh, just very calm, collected, confident. You know, he's a football nerd. He loves studying his playbook. He loves watching film. Um, and Rashawn said that he's locked in. He's ready to go. Um, so obviously that's great to hear about Zion. I'm excited to get those padded one-on-one uh, reps with him and Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, things like that. In terms of the other rookies, we've heard a lot of good things, of course, about Dean Leonard and Ja Taylor. Um, we'll see. And, and, of course, JT Woods has made some plays as well. Um, and Isaiah Spiller, too. So the, this class has a chance to make a strong impact, um, although Zion really is the only starter, if you are, are asking mm-hmm. how specific impact mm-hmm. you're, you're getting or how great of an impact you're getting. Yeah, so far it's kind of been like we assumed when they were drafted, looking at who they drafted, it's like, okay, Zion and Xander Horvath are probably your starters of this group. Spiller could work his way in, sure. You know, Woods could work his way in, sure. But these guys are all going to really contribute, but maybe not like in any kind of strong starter role. Um, but Woods and Spiller are the obvious other options that won't start that'll really contribute. Yeah. Um, I think it's Spiller and Woods, and the cutoff is probably after Spiller. Yeah, I agree. Um, shout out Fred Alexander, another, uh, super sticker there. So we'll, uh, we'll get back to some questions in a second. I do want to, uh, get to our new Saturday segment. We're going to do this every single week, uh, to kind of, you know, add a way to measure how we are, you know, evaluating the chances of these players making the roster. So this is kind of a, a stock exchange exercise. Tyler can kind of break down the details here a little bit, but this is only for players who are kind of on the bubble. This is not, we're not talking about JC Jackson, Mike Williams, stuff like that. Um, but this is just kind of a way to measure who's stock up and stock down. So Tyler, why don't you uh, share the screen here and then break down. I mean, this was your idea for the segment. So why don't you uh, break down <laughs> your thought process here? Yeah, to me, it was, you know, everybody's got their, you know, stock up, stock down option or whatever. And it's, Apparently, based on whatever I tweet these days, um, I want to do something a little bit different, like actually make it a stock game where there is a stock up, stock down. So, you know, I put into the Google sheet here. These are the rules. Uh, we'll zoom in a bit in a second, I'm sure. Um, but I will put this in the Google, or excuse me, in the description of the video. So maybe you guys can play along as well. 
So we have different players at different stock, you know, evaluate or valuation, excuse me, if you will. And we're going to try to, you know, put together a portfolio and track each week who's stock up, who's stock down and adjust the value of their stocks accordingly. Um, so the guys aiming for starting jobs, those are $10 tier, whereas the guys on like the, the roster bubble bubble are the $1 tier. And then, you know, some guys in the middle, it's not a perfect science. Obviously some guys aren't exactly this or that. Um, so you won't see any Justin Herbert's like, like Steven said, no Herbert, no JC Jackson, that sort of thing. The most starter you're going to look at is like Callahan, Kyle Van Noy. Um, so there's that. So there's, there's rules to this. You can read the rules if you want. There's a max of, you know, number of players we can draft in certain tiers. There's a minimum we have to hit in other tiers. Um, and then the guys that are like at the $10 stock, their value only goes up or down $1 each week. The guys at the $1 stock, kind of like your penny stocks, those double or half each week. So whatever it is, you know, it could be one to two to four to eight, or it could be one to 50 cents to, you know, you lose all your money basically. So <laughs> just a different way of looking at it. If you played the stock market before, you know, some of it kind of works out similarly. It's just a different way for us to do stock up, stock down without being like everybody else who does the exact same stock up, stock down. Yeah, so you can see uh, a lot of the players here that Tyler has included, and then each of us will kind of give, uh, you know, our specific list. So, um, Alex, let's start with your uh, portfolio here and uh, you kind of talk about your process of how you chose specific players in each tier and kind of things you're looking for just briefly, really quickly. Uh, so I just kind of went from top to bottom. I got my $10 guys first. I know we were allowed two $10 guys. So I just kind of went, uh, a with guys who were pretty clear roster locks and also is their stock going up? Right. Um, mm -hmm. I think we've heard a lot about Morgan Fox this week and I think he does end up being the starter, uh, in terms of their defensive line pass rusher. So I bought him with my first $10. Uh, and then Kyle Van Noy, I think, is also kind of a stock up at this point because, you know, he's going from eh, just a more valuable position, but he's really at linebacker one right now, um, which I think is a more valuable position, if you want to say, than edge three um, at this point. So for me, he was my other $10 pick. Um, then I went to the $5 guys. I don't think it's any surprise <laughs> who my $5 guys are. Of course, I bought DeAndre Carter. Um Isaiah Spiller, I think, just has to be bought on the basis that yeah. he's going to ascend over the course of the preseason and come RB2. Uh, and then I brought I bought Bryce Callahan stock. Um, obviously, I think there's been a lot of hype about the plays he's been making this week, but I think he's going to be a really important uh, slot corner over the course of uh, this season as well. Uh, then the $3 and $1 tiers got a lot tougher. I felt like the, the yeah. degree of difficulty increased, especially when you get to $1 um but yeah so easton <laughs> stick <laughs> hold on hold on let me explain my um yeah so dean letter josh kelly mark webb uh, i think we've heard a lot of positive things about mark webb this week and the roles that staley envisions him at safety so had to take that value dean leonard obviously we've heard a lot of positive things since really minicamp uh, and he continues kind of making plays here and there Joshua Kelly, I think, is a lock to make the roster. I still kind of think Larry Roundtree might be as well, but certainly Joshua Kelly is going to be RB2 or RB3 uh, when the season does open. Uh, the $1 tier got really hard. I, did we move Will Clapp to the $1 tier? Because he was originally three. Was he? Or was he always one? I don't know, but you know what? I didn't pick him, so you can have it. Uh, he is in the $3 tier. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I think I wrote... I don't know. 
Yeah, because I think I had Wolklap in the three dollar tier originally, but any because because I had an extra. Uh, all right, I had two dollars left. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, yes, I so yeah, so Wolklap was originally in the three, and then we knocked him down to one. Um, I don't really have any other one dollar guys I want to buy, so <laughs> I think <I'll, laughs> there's there's all of them are really you gotta bad. pocket it. Okay, <laughs> I'll yeah. pocket it and maybe save it for another week. Uh, Will Clap, I think, is a pretty easy one to buy. I mean, he's going sure. to back up center in case anything happens to any of these other players. Easton Stick, I mean, he's going to make the roster. I, <laughs> I don't really think he should. But, I mean, he's been a roster constant for years now, and I don't really think they have a reason. To, well, they have reasons to cut him if they want a deeper depth chart. But <laughs> I don't really think that he's going to give them reason to cut him. Uh, just based on, the, it seems like they like that quarterback room with those three guys. So that's why I bought Easton Stick. Uh, the two flyers here for me are Gaziano and Egbelay. Um, I went with Gaziano just because, I mean, he <laughs> he continues to make plays. Um, and Gaziano had a really solid preseason last year, uh, along with Cortez Broughton. Of course, both of them ended up not making the final roster. But yeah. Gaziano, sort of in the Broughton vein from last year, is going to be one of those guys who's competing until the end, and we, you know, for the record, mm-hmm. this defensive line has just been much more wide open uh, than we've seen in recent years, too. So it wouldn't shock me if uh, Gaziano or Fajoko or any of those guys who are like on the border of the roster bubble end up making those spots just because they make some decent plays in training camp or they make some uh, really good plays in a preseason game, uh, more so than the defensive line room last year in the preseason. Uh, Egbelay, kind of the flyer choice here. Um, I don't really think they're going to carry five edges, but if they would, it would be him. Uh, and Joey Bosa also kind of mentioned in his press conference how he also specifically has a name for him, E, uh, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, he's been around the team for four years now. So out of the $1 guys, if I had to buy another one, it would just probably be Egbelay based on his experience here. Uh, so that's kind of how I rationalize these picks. I have two more dollars, but I don't really care to spend them. Yeah, well, um, we'll move Will Clap into the three dollars here because I think um, I was the one who put like the I, I sorted mm. this out a little bit more, and I think I mm-hmm. messed up with Will Clap into uh, putting him into the wrong tier. Thank you, Tyler. Um, yeah, so I, I think um, good choices all around. Um, I also have Bryce Callahan in my group, so um, we'll get to mine in a second, but. Yeah, so there you go. So here is, are we on my list right now? Yes. yes. Okay. So for my ten dollars choices, uh, I have Trey Pipkins and Asante Samuel Jr. as the ten dollars group. Okay. Um, Trey Pipkins, of course, is the the bigger gamble, if you will. Um, but if he does win out uh, at the right tackle battle, I think that would have a lot of uh, upside there in terms of stock up. Sunday Samuel Jr. was, of course, my breakout selection. So uh, kind of a no-brainer there um, with how I feel about him and how much I think he's going to elevate his game this year. Um, so for the $5 tier, I chose Donald Parham, JT Woods, and again, Bryce Callahan. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to get some stability with Callahan and, and then kind of take some higher upside uh, chances here with JT Woods and Donald Parham. Um, you know, Joe Lombardi mentioned that they really want to get Parham more involved this year. And I think you can do that specifically with because him and uh, Gerald Everett kind of have different skill sets as receivers, whereas I feel like Cook and Parham were kind of redundant as receivers. 
um, both bigger physical bodies over the middle as opposed to ever who's kind of more of your uh, flat post corner kind of role. So um, that was my thought process there. JT Woods, of course, uh, potentially their, their sixth defensive back uh, on the field in a lot of dime situations. Of course, he has the ball skills, interceptions, all that good stuff. Uh, $3 tier, uh, Chris Rolf is kind of a no-brainer for me because he is kind of the edge three at this point with Kyle Van Noy, uh, you know, switching to linebacker right now. So, um, of course, you know, I felt like that was pretty easy. I also chose Dean Leonard. There's been just a lot of consistent ball production, a lot of hype. So that was that choice. Um, Brennan Hymas, again, I feel like he has a leg up right now on Jamari Sellier just because of his uh, experience and familiarity within the scheme. Um, although I do feel like Salyer was the better prospect. Uh, Nick Neiman, again, I don't feel like there's a ton of upside here. He's kind of just going to be a special teams player, but I feel good about his chances of making the roster, uh, and that was really the thought process there. In terms of the $1 tier guys, I mentioned Maurice French a little bit earlier. Maybe his vertical threat ability kind of wins out. Maybe earns him uh, a roster spot. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Hunter Campmoyer. If they keep four tight ends, I feel like it's going to be him. Uh, Daniel Popper threw in a little nugget that Kent uh, Moyer has been practicing his long snapping ability, which I guess he did in high school and parts of college. So if they ever need a backup long snapper, I guess Kent Moyer is that guy. But I just feel like his special teams ability could maybe convince them to, to keep him. Uh, and he is a good blocker as well. And then Jamal Davis was... Uh, another dart throw for me. He's kind of the most physically gifted of the, you know, back end of the roster edge players. So if there is somebody who uh, is going to maybe earn their way on as a fourth, fifth edge rusher, I'm um, just betting on tools here with uh, Jamal Davis. I like it. I like the Camp Moira one. I have him as well. Jamal Davis, I believe had a tackle for loss today or, you know, a would be tackle for loss. So I like that. I went with, I'll minimize this a little bit for everybody who can, so you can see it. Um, a little different, Josh Palmer for me at the $10 tier. I just feel like if you're fighting for your wide receiver three job and based on what I expect him to do, I think that's a no-brainer production kind of guy that will be stuck up the entire preseason. Morgan Fox as well. He is currently the backup with Jerry Tillery in their base nickel package. Um, but I do think when it comes to when they ever show 3-4, they show some other exotic looks or whatever like morgan fox is going to be there out produce and you know if on the depth chart or even in the rotations and the snaps and the production he does beat out jared to the right i feel like there's enough there to warrant a stock up for a while um parham he's talked about spiller no-brainer jt woods kind of a no-brainer there rumpf no-brainer webb has been fantastic so far um, but i did go with brandon fahoko here a little bit different than you know some of the other guys i just feel like there's a shot there for him to be stock up i think his like he, he probably should be more like a bubble bubble kind of guy um just because we don't really expect him to make the roster but he's made plays three of the last four days so I, I believe in him to at least maybe not make the final roster but over the course of the preseason either hold his value or look really good and, and be stock up even if that stock never reaches a point where he actually makes the team um and then i just wanted production in the dollar tier if i'm going for anything i'll go with some production um the two best bubble wide receivers right now Jason Moore and Michael Bandy. Bandy, again, I think he's has the best shot of making it if there's six. Jason Moore is a consistent preseason winner. Um, so I gotta go. <laughs> it's the most tried and true penny stock you've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, we'll never make the roster, but he will absolutely be good this preseason. And then Hunter Kentmore, like you said. So a lot of overlap between 
all of us. I just went with Bandy and Fajoko as some of the different options. Man, nobody wanted some Storm Norton stock, huh? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's like really Tesla to... or something. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really want to test like Trey Pipkin's or Storm Norton with like a 10 foot pole. Did sure. <laughs> sure. Um, I will say again, you know, there's a lot of people uh throwing some shade about to Jerry Tillery about not making any plays so far. Again, we've heard like the one uh near penalty, but Again, that's that's something I think will get sorted out with uh, pads once they come on. Yeah. Um, maybe Jerry Tillery can decide to show up a little bit more. So, again, not a whole lot of trench takeaways without pads. Really hard to be an impact guy unless you have pads on and get to hit people. So, there we go. Um, all right. So, I'm excited to see how this one pans out. I think this was a really creative idea by Tyler. So, hopefully you guys enjoy. Again, we'll be doing this on Saturdays. Uh, just as a way to kind of measure uh, the preseason and uh, training camp success. So we'll take a few minutes again and answer some questions. So if you've been dying to uh, ask one, make sure and do that. If you feel so inclined to use the Super Chat feature, we do always appreciate that as well. Got a shout out uh, Jason Greer, 180 here, who just says, thanks. Don't know what I did, but I or what we did, but I appreciate it. You're um, welcome. I think he, he he thanked us for answering his super chat questions because we got oh. to them later in the show. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. Um, send in your training him questions. Send in your. We have ten minutes here. Send in your food questions. Um, <laughs> as, uh, always per the streams. Uh, send in everything you got. Yeah. While people if... are sending in questions, I just want to say that the Chargers the last three days, maybe I missed it the first day, have run at least one trick play. Once in warm-ups, once in 11-11s. The last three days in a row, they've all been different. So I think if we're talking about what's this you know, 200-level Lombardi offense look like, I do believe that's part of it. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously they're kind of exploring things a little bit. They're not exploring things like uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's running options and, and pitching the ball behind his back as opposed to a traditional pick, mm. pitch. But uh, you know, they are doing some things there. I so. will say they had, they had like Eckler... No, they, so they had Mike Williams motion, but then Herbert handed it off to Eckler to the left or whatever. But Mike Williams and Justin Herbert ran together like he was going to pitch it to Mike Williams. So that is the, that's a thing. It might happen. Go. Working on the trick plays. Um, where is Arjun? Arjun is uh, not here. So I think he's, you know, he's a college kid. And I think people kind of forget that. So he's out living his uh, college kid life. Arjun's 20. He's he's seeing the world still. <laughs> uh, here wants to know our top three stadium food and atmosphere. So, like ever? Um, I, think those, I think those are three, three separate things, yeah. Top three stadiums in general? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I haven't been to enough stadiums. Hmm. Uh, in terms of NFL stadiums, I've been to... Uh, the Broncos stadium. I've been to the uh, Seahawks stadium, not for a game for um, or not for an NFL game for a college game. I've been to Levi's stadium and I've been to SoFi, Qualcomm and StubHub. So SoFi, only... SoFi is incredible. SoFi is number one. Levi's though. They that's the best food scene from a stadium that I've been to. They have uh, the Guy Fieri burger restaurants there <laughs> as part of it, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's from the Bay. So um, from a food aspect, Levi's is absolutely the best one that I've been to. 
Um, well, I've only been to two NFL stadiums, and it's the Lincoln Philly, and then it's the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. That's it. Um, are, are we saying like, oh, if we expand it to like all sports, I could like kind of answer this question. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we're really. talking NBA arenas, college arenas, Ooh. college stadiums, then you're you'd get a more uh, extensive list from I think all of us. True. Um, okay, so the best food I've ever had was at the Lexus Club at Staples Center. Um, so I will say that's top tier food. That was like the one time in your my life where I had like the person who knew a guy got there into go. there and they got like Magic Johnson and Kareem eating to the side over there and we're eating like sushi. And I'm like, this is nice. I Damn, you, have this. A, you have a Rich Paul connection? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of sushi, how was your sushi last night for your for your birthday? Absolutely delicious. We went to Nobu in Newport Beach, and it's really nice. I love delicious food that I don't have to pay for. So it was it was really good. <laughs> delicious food that's free is really good. Always, always. Um, Thomas Martinez asks, how does Spiller physically look around the other running backs? Does his style or size or speed stand out from the other guys? Uh, again, it's, it's so hard to tell. And again, these guys are three plays, you know, every 10 minutes, maybe those, it's kind of difficult to tell. He looks taller. I don't know if he is, but he looks taller. I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. Firing up the Google machine. I think he yeah. is. I think he is. Yeah. Like let me know the RAS, tall, right? whatever he, he looks taller. Granted, it's not like they have huge backs. I feel like Roundtree would have been the tallest of that group uh, before Spiller. I don't know. Um, I don't know. He's a smooth route runner, and that's more than I can say for Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. So I would say, he, yeah, he's as, as advertised as a smooth route runner that I'm surprised he looks as tall as he is. Or he looks really lean, and that's why he looks so tall. Per Google, uh, Larry Roundtree, 5'10", Joshua Kelly, 5'11", uh, Isaiah Spiller, 6'1". 6'1"? I don't wow. buy Josh Kelly being 5'11". I, I, like I don't buy well, three. I mean, they they all they fudge all these heights. I mean, the Absolutely. combine is is a big scam. So I mean, I, I think that, like all these are fudged. All right, Austin Eckler is listed on Google as five ten, and there's no way there's no way he's five ten. <laughs> so Justin Jackson listed at six foot. I I don't think he uh, was six foot. No chance. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I thought I saw this earlier and I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, you need one sack to close out the game. Who do you line up on the Ooh. left side against R. Slater, Bosa, Mac, or Derwin? I mean, obviously, I would just rather throw all three of them on the other side. <laughs> um, but to beat Rashawn, I feel like you would have to go with Khalil because I think, technically speaking, he would be able to keep up with Joey. Obviously, you're not putting a safety against Rashawn Slater, but. Uh, I feel like if you're betting on somebody to beat Rashawn, you're probably choosing somebody who's like a little bit more physically imposing than he would be. So I, I would choose Khalil. That was my first thought, but I would absolutely adore seeing Derwin James versus Rashawn Slater for a couple of the drives or something. I think yeah, I would just. I think I think I'd go Joey just because he's played him the most, um, in in terms of training camp and practices and stuff like that. So that's probably my answer, but. I think either one of these three are good choices. Oh God, this is 
this is like a painful question. If you had to sign one player from this list to a super max contract, so uh, like top tier at their position, who would you choose? Forrest Lamp, Marlon McCree, Donald Butler, Denario Alexander, or Sharice Wright? Denario, no question. Are we talking about like as they currently exist or when they were half decent and like playing? I feel like I'm, we're saying at their peak and then they get injured during the contract. Is that what we're saying? Like, <laughs> is that why you did Denario? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Denario is like the easy answer out of all these guys, I think. I mean, Donald Butler was like the best NFL player of this group. He just sucked after he sucked. got his money. Yeah. But also, I mean, if we're saying 2022 now, like linebackers have no value now. So I don't know, like if Butler, That's true. That if Butler would true. have the same impact. Um, was Marlon McCree good? Like, I actually don't know if he was a good player. I was going to say, like, people only talk about the fumble and never really like who he was as a player. So, and I was a little kid when Marlon McCree was around. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Somebody, somebody a little more seasoned, let us know if Marlon McCree was actually a good football player or not. Because, like, of this group, at least Forrest Lamp is like under 30. So, if it's talking about like right now, maybe Forrest Lamp, I guess. But, uh, this is not a I mean Sharice Wright wasn't that bad. I think he had a really good play to help uh beat the Seahawks. So I remember him fondly for that. The one the one good moment from that season. Yep. That was great. I could have died right then. You didn't have to tell me about anything else. <laughs> That'd have been fine. And then you go to heaven and you would you think that the Chargers are headed for the Super Bowl and then they're yeah, like, they nope, tell me born twelve or whatever yeah, no, it was. I I would go haunt Qualcomm. <laughs> Uh, Glenn also asking about a Derwin update again. There hasn't really been anything. They negotiation negotiations have been ongoing. They are having those conversations. Um, Brandon Staley, Ronaldo Hill, Tom Telesco have all been asked about it. Um, they are still happening, so they're still ironing out things. I assume it's you know figuring out how much guaranteed money they're going to give Derwin or not. Um, in terms of it happening before Monday, I would say. 50% chance 49. Okay. <laughs> 48. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Just pick a lower number than me. So I'm wrong. It's cool. It's whatever. Well, you could be right. That's true. For what it's worth, Der- uh, Arjun did say in our uh, discord that he feels like it does happen this weekend. So. If Rappaport tweets it at 9 30 PM on the East coast tomorrow, I'm, I'm done with it. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's exactly what he did the last two times. Yeah, that's but, how Joey was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thomas Martinez, if you could only watch the new Game of Thrones or new Lord of the Rings, which one would you pick? Neither. Wouldn't watch either. You're not going to watch what is either wrong one with you. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not going to watch either one. Game of Thrones was a disaster at the end. Why would I want to watch a new series? Well, you watch the Chargers. Yeah, okay, but (laughs) but you watch the Sixers. Yeah, but that's basketball. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know. For it to be like, isn't the isn't the guy who directed the Battle of the Bastards? Isn't he the one who's being the showrunner for this series? Mm. Miguel, what's his name? You don't know. Okay, I figured you would know. I don't know. Um, like, I, I, if if I'm gonna get invested in anything Game of Thrones again, like the, those last two seasons were terrible. Like I I, I just have to have the last some... one. The last one. Season six was good. Mm, I don't know. Because like it all. 
Well, I feel like season six has like less value because they fumbled everything in the last one. But yeah, that won't big go. value guy over there. Yeah, big every guy. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> big annoyed. I, 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 I saw the Lord of the Rings trailer and it just didn't look good. Oh, I guess uh, we just purchased tickets for the whole family of the Chargers Raiders game. It's going to be a family affair of shoes on my sister Rebecca's birthday. So we'll go to Thunder Alley and I expect lots of drinks. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't have to pay for Game of Thrones or pay extra, I should say. I don't have Amazon Prime yet. So really? Oh, God, that's like I can't live without Amazon Prime. Yeah. So I already have HBO Max, which came with uh, Xfinity for free. So, yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about both. I feel like there's no chance I'll actually love the Lord of the Rings series. It, it almost feels like one of those things where it's just like that's not Peter Jackson's trilogy, and so I'm just not going <laughs> to like it. But we'll see. Um, actually, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh... Whole family going to the Chargers Raiders game week one. So there mm-hmm. you go. Good. You guys, I assume that means they'll probably sell your your regular tickets. Yes, we'll be out of there. So I don't I don't know where we are, but apparently we're going to the game and we'll be somewhere, probably in like the three hundreds or something, because it's four hundred bucks a pop at this point for two hundreds. Yeah, I uh, I am not going to that Raiders game. So tickets are way too expensive for me. I have. Uh, Closing costs on my house to pay for in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, not not spending money on the $400 tickets to see a Chargers game. But please, if you can, go see the game. <laughs> uh, the Chargers, so again, practice was packed today with Chargers fans. But then Danny Hoyt, the main announcer, asked, all right, how many of you are not season ticket holders? And it was like 75% of the fans that were there. So, like, please don't just show up to the free stuff, okay? Like, go to the games, try to support. The Raiders, they're not that crazy. They're not that bad. Just go to the game. Help me. You know, I would love, <laughs> I'd love to be in like a double digit percentage help of home me. crowd. Yeah. Help me help you help the team help you help me. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Tyler and I had no issues at the Raiders game when we went in Vegas. Um, I mean, there was casual banter and things like that, but there wasn't anything like physical. And that was a uh, Raiders home game. So and that was the game where they were honoring John Madden. So. That was a crazy yeah. environment. Playoff game. The ones in go to the Vegas one. I, we talked a couple before the game that said, like, yeah, the Vegas crowd is actually a lot more mellow and less intense than the Oakland crowd. So sure. yeah, go to the go to the Vegas one. Apparently they're mellow. Yeah, and this time it won't be a week eighteen in and your winning your in game. It's gonna be is that week twelve? Something like that. Sure. I know it's the same week as the Pac-12 championship, baby. So uh, probably going to be in Vegas that weekend anyway. Yeah, Oregon-Washington should be a good Pac-12. Uh, <laughs> Oregon-Washington, they play in the same division. Bro. I don't fucking know. I don't watch the Pac-12. <laughs> you guys are irrelevant now. Hey. <laughs> hey, there's USC, no answer. <laughs> USC and UCLA still have two more years, and they have been the worst program <laughs> They've been worse than Oregon and Washington and Utah over the last five years. So they're not even relevant, bro. That's great. Enjoy your time in the Big 12 while everyone else is competing in the real two divisions. No, 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 no. Big 12's coming to us. We're not going to the Big 12. (laughs) Our markets are better. Our ratings are better. Our schools are better. 
Big 12's coming over here. We're not going to the Big 12. <laughs> There's our college football talk. So. <laughs> I don't watch college football, so, you know, whatever. Whatever I'm happens, saying, happens. it seems like USC and UCLA want a little more what Rutgers is having in the Big Ten. I mean, uh, you know, you got to be in the conference. I mean, <laughs> let's let's be real here, Alex. Rutgers has won like seven games in your lifetime. So, hey, they won more of them than they previously did last year, though. So it's a step <laughs> in the right direction. They almost beat Michigan. Yeah, that's that's, that's your big that's like uh, that's like my Super Bowl. Arjun Arjun was at the game. He can attest. They almost beat Michigan. <laughs> When was the last time Rutgers won more games than they lost? Let me see. Um, when they were in the Big East. was there. <laughs> when Ray Rice Two, was there, probably. <laughs> 2011. No, 2014. Eight and five. Mm, see? Yeah, I think that was the first year they were in the Big Ten, and then everything went downhill from there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the worst or the best of the Big Twin. Revenue split, baby. Alex, yeah. you were born in 99? Yep. All right. So they've had one double-digit win season in your lifetime. That's great. Um, I, I, I honestly have had worse sports experiences than that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, that's a good place to end the show today. We'll uh, we'll let you guys know. We'll, we'll talk more about Pac-12 when we get there. Don't worry. No, we, we shouldn't. I'm, I'm sorry for bringing the Pac-12 up. We should never talk about the Pac-12 on this show again. We either talk about Utah or food at the end of Q and A's every single week. So it, you know it is what it is. This time we happen to talk about Utah football as opposed to Utah food. So there we go. Yeah. If I were hosting, it'd be Pokemon and sushi. So whatever. <laughs> Ooh, I've been playing Pokemon. I'm playing Pokemon Black this week, actually. Uh, awesome. Yeah, on that again. Nice. The, uh, I, I don't fun. know what that means guess what pokemon black means it's probably a video game i don't know yeah it sure is a video i uh my older brother was super into pokemon go when that was a thing is that still a thing mm, not really it, it exists but it's not of. a thing not like it was in 2016 but i i never played it so i don't i don't know how well, it was a big thing in 2016, but I don't know. There were like things on the news about like people like getting shot when they were playing Pokemon Go and stuff. So I just like stayed away from it. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> or like some crimes happening where, where people were doing Pokemon Go. So I just never played it. Did you grow up with like the ghetto parts of Miami, man? Like what are we talking no, about? <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. It also wasn't that interesting because the battle system wasn't the same. So like why? True. Yeah, I don't know. It's just not the traditional format. There you go. All right. Uh, if you are listening to the audio version of this show, please uh, make sure and leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate that. Um, Tyler's going to be at training camp again next week, so be sure and follow him on Twitter. Stay tuned for uh, his updates and, uh, of course, his sh uh, quick updates after each practice as well. So we'll be back on Wednesday for our next show where we'll be talking about some other training camp news and updates and all that good stuff. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure you are uh, subbed as well on YouTube. We always appreciate that. And that being said, bolt up. We'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com